0: So good to be back. It's been three weeks since I've gotten a chance to speak with you guys, so I'm just excited to be back. Two weeks ago we had spring break, then last week we had missionaries, which were it's absolutely incredible to hear about how God is using them to reach the unreached peoples all over the world. So tonight we're starting our final sermon series of the year, which is crazy to think. I can it seems like just yesterday. It was August 27th, and we started our first series of the year called Believe. If you remember that series. And the whole series is about believing God for great things, and God did great things this year so far, okay? But I felt like God wanted to go out kind of the way we started this year, and this series is called Can't Stop, Won't Stop, and it's kind of in the same vein of like, not quitting and believing that God can do great things. And, and the reason I chose this sermon series, the reason I, or I feel like the reason God told me to preach it, it's because oftentimes at the end of the year, we can kind of get tired and lethargic. We can, you know, stop sharing our faith, stop going hard in Chi Alpha, stop going hard in small groups. All of a sudden, we don't attend as much or to our gatherings and small groups and things like that. But I think God wants us to keep sprinting, to not limp to the summer, okay? I think God wants us to sprint into the summer, and I believe that this sermon series is really setting us up for this fall. And I don't know about you, but I just believe that God is going to breathe revival this fall. I really believe that, and it's not something I say lightly, because, you know, if God doesn't do that, I'm going to look like an idiot in the fall, okay? So, I really believe that God wants to do something significant, take this group to places we've never been, save more people than, than we've ever seen saved, baptize more people than we've ever seen baptized. I think God wants to do something incredible this fall, but I think it starts with this idea of saying, I can't stop. I mean, Josh just or just hitting on it, I can't stop and I won't stop. I'm going to live a life full of faith. I'm not going to give in to fear. I'm not going to give in to timidity. I'm not going to say, hey, my sins are too great. I can't be used by God. But I'm going to say, I'm going to keep going until my last breath. I'm going to keep reaching out to people. I'm going to keep pursuing Jesus. I'm going to keep pursuing holiness. I'm going to keep going hard until my final breath. That's the whole heart of this sermon series. And I want you guys to go into summer. And not struggle this summer, okay? A lot of times for people who are in campus ministries, we go to summer where you don't have campus ministry anymore for the three months. And then you kind of struggle. I don't want you to struggle this summer. I want you to chase Jesus down like a lion this summer on your own, okay? On your own, in your local church, growing and maturing in your faith. And then we come back in the fall just to be raring to go, okay? Okay. That's what I'm believing for. I don't want you to come back and say, oh, I fell back into this sin and this addiction and this struggle, and I didn't go to church at all, or I didn't read my Bible. No, I want you to come back and be like, dude, I'm taking the mic. I'm preaching, okay? I don't care if you want to preach. I'm preaching, just like Josh would do. I love Josh. Take that spirit. So, yes, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm just excited. I could just preach without the notes. But So two weeks ago, I went on this trip to Las Vegas. It's a missions trip. Uh, it's the first mission trip I've been on, to be honest, and, you know, it's in the States, so it's, it's still not like the big mission trip you think of where you get the picture with the kids, and you look really spiritual. I didn't get to get the picture, but uh, it was a really incredible trip, and I just want to say right now, uh, I encourage you all to make a commitment in your heart right now, those of you who will be here next year, to make a commitment to go next year. It seems like a lot of money, but it's easy to raise it if you ask some people to support you and make a commitment right now in your heart that I'm going on the mission trip during spring break because it changed my life. It changed my life. I was the only one there besides Jessica. So just me and one student, just rocking it out. There's also other campuses there, so it wasn't just us two. But, but God did something incredible. Or just the whole time I was thinking, oh, like I wish John Griffin was here. Oh, I wish Levinsky was here. I wish Derek was here. Like just thinking that I wish you guys were here with me to experience it because it was incredible. So the big thrust of the trip was doing this home-to-home ministry, okay? So you go, you knock on doors, you say, hey, we came to Las Vegas just believing that God wants to do something. Can we pray for you? And if you know me, that's way out of my comfort zone, okay? I don't like just going up to random people and asking them if I can pray for them. I can handle speaking in front of a crowd, but doing the one-on-one awkward conversation with someone I don't know, that's not fun for me. I don't enjoy that. But I knew that God wanted to stretch me outside my comfort zone, so I was excited, to have the opportunity. Because, you know, in that situation, it's pretty much you got to do it. There's no ifs, ands, buts, you know. They're counting on you to do it. Like in everyday life, I can just say, oh, I should have had that conversation, but no, I won't do it right now. But on that trip, I had to do it. So it was good to put me outside my comfort zone. And God or God, just worked miracles that week. And, and I once heard it said that the reason we don't see God move in our lives more is we don't take risk, okay? And that week was taking risk after risk. And God kept moving and God kept intervening. There was one guy... Uh Jessica and I went to his door. He's actually standing in the door waiting for us because he saw us going down the street knocking on doors. This eighteen-year-old kid, just completely dazed out. I could tell he was on something. And uh and we just go up to him and I asked him if I can pray for him. He says, I don't believe in God. And I said, Well, that can make me happy if I could pray for you. So is it okay if I pray for you? He said, Okay. And I said, So if God was real, what would you want prayer for? And he said, I need to be set free from my from my addiction. And I could tell it was drugs. I mean you could already tell. Uh, So we prayed for him to be set free from his addiction. And then afterwards, he began to open up and shared how his parents were addicted to meth when he was a kid. So he got taken out of his home and then put in with his grandparents. And then he is now strung out on meth and selling it, things like that. And he shared his story. And at the end of it, he said, it just feels so good to be able to share with someone who's not going to judge me. And the kid didn't get saved on the spot or anything like that. But as we walked away, the kid said, God bless, which is pretty cool, being an atheist. And God gave him hope. Like, I don't know what was going to happen that night. Or maybe God sent us there to prevent him from committing suicide or doing something crazy. But God spoke to him. And then the next day, I got to lead two different people to the Lord. There's one guy named Tim who, uh, his, or in the last three months, his best friend and his mom died. He's lost everything. He's pretty much on his own, just drinking himself to sleep every night. And, and as soon as we got there, he said, I feel like God sent you to me. He said, I feel like, I feel like you guys are angels sent from God. And we shared the gospel with him and asked him if he wanted to be saved. And he said, yes, I want that. So we prayed the prayer. Or, and Tim got saved, and we invited him to church. Or then, like, three houses down, I'm thinking, yes, that's great. That's the end of the day, we, or we got one that feels good. And then three houses down, I'm, like, drinking on my Mountain Dew, just kind of chilling. I'm letting the girls take care of it. And then I felt God say to me as this 18-year-old kid came out and, and was kind of freaked out. He said, I'm freaked out, to be honest. So he just was honest with us. Or then I felt like God told me, he said, ask him what his experience was like in church growing up. I said, okay. So I asked him, and I said, did you have a bad experience in church growing up? And he said, yeah, there's a guy who pretty much said there's a guy who touched him funny, okay? He didn't get into the details, but obviously something happened there. And I said, or then I asked him, what church were you a part of? He said, the Mormon church. And I said, well, first of all, Christianity and Mormonism is not the same thing Sorry if that offends one of you, but it's not. And I said, Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, the life. And I shared the gospel with him. Told him that God can forgive him of his deepest regrets and give him a hope for a future. And he said, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Okay, so God did incredible things because we took risks. But if we never went up to that door and asked those people we could pray with them, then we never would have been able to lead them to Christ. And I'll tell you the truth, we got so many doors slammed in our face. So there's so many people we had to go to before we get to the people who actually want to be saved, Okay. There was like 2,000 doors we knocked on. I think there was five to 10 who got saved throughout the week for our whole ministry team. But it's worth it. It's worth it, even for those five to 10. I've been talking to Josh a lot because he's sharing his faith like crazy. And at this point, no one has put their faith in Jesus. But I said, Josh, keep going. Keep pressing in because eventually someone whose heart is ready is going to say, I want Jesus. And for all those other people, there's plants, or not plants, seeds being planted in their hearts. And, and there might be someone later on in their life who comes and, and actually brings that seed to fruition okay so guys we need to be obedient God only asks us to be obedient he doesn't ask us to save people God doesn't ask us to convict people he just says share the gospel and let me do the rest and the sad thing is is that there's so many people on this campus who come as a freshman they leave as a senior and never hear the gospel because we're too scared we're too fearful let's be honest we don't want to look silly we don't want to take a step of faith this whole sermon series is about replacing that fear with faith, believing that God can move mountains in our midst. God is alive, okay? Jesus rose from the dead. We just celebrated that. If Jesus rose from the dead and that same power is living inside of me, then that should give me boldness and faith to share my faith and to live my life full of faith, okay? If Jesus really rose from the dead, if I just believe in some teacher from 2,000 years ago that taught some good stuff, then yeah, or I should be fearful. But if I believe in a living God who lives inside of me, then I should be full of faith. I'm telling you, if we capture this, if we capture this heart of faith, of taking risks for God, he's going to move. The place where Jesus moves is in the place of faith and risk, okay? That's what I want you to get. All right, we're done. I'm kidding. All right, so I believe (laughs) that each of us, deep down, we want to be a part of God's mission on this earth. We want to be a part of this because it's what we were made for deep down. We weren't made to just go to school, get a great grade, get a job, and make some money, get a retirement account, and then retire, and just go off in the distance. That's not what we were made for. We were made for adventure. We were made to be God's ambassadors on this earth Boldly proclaiming the best news that anyone could ever hear. That's what we were made for. And to pursue Jesus like, it's like a hungry lion. That's the only way I can put it. A ferocious lion pursuing Jesus. saying, I need to know him more because he's the only reason that I'm here. It's to know Jesus and make him known. That's what we were made for. I think deep down all of us want to, or to do that. That's how we were made. We were made to go all out for God's purposes on the earth. We were made to know Jesus. Each of us knows that this life is only temporary, or I think deep down we all want to live the life of YOLO, saying, hey, I only live once, so I'm going to give everything, all right? We want that, Say, so I'm going to give everything. I don't give a darn what anyone thinks about me. I'm going to say something else. What anyone thinks about me, I don't care if I get laughed at. I don't even care if they kill me, because if they kill me, I'll be with Jesus, and that's what it's all about. It's only temporary. Death is only temporary, and then we get to be with Jesus. I think deep down we want to live this life of ferocious faith. We want that. That's what we were made for. And we aren't living that life. Then we're feeling dissatisfied deep down. For me, when I fail to share my faith with that person at Target, I feel like I missed it. I can miss my purpose today. When you fail to love that person in your class because you're too tired, you're going to feel like I missed it. We all want to be used by God. We want this. But we have to get the right mindset. We have to understand that this life is not just about pursuing our own pleasure, being comfortable, and then safely arriving at death. This life is about going all in for Jesus and all out for God's purposes. We need to live every day like it's our last and be obedient to whatever God asks us to do. And if we live any other way, we'll be dissatisfied and we won't be joyful. So Jesus' brother James has something to say about this in his letter to the Jewish Christians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter four. I'm gonna pray for us again. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We pray that you would speak. God, we pray that the word of God would come alive. We pray that this passage, if we read it before, that somehow we'd understand it in a new way, in a fresh way, or if we never heard it before. God, I pray that it would penetrate our heart. God, I pray that each of us would walk out of here going all in for you and all out for your purposes. Lord, we love you so much. In your name, amen. So James, the brother of Jesus, or James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this letter, and this is a letter to Jewish Christians that was written about 10 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, so very close to his life. It's a highly practical book, or instructing Christians on how to live out their faith. This book goes really well with our series because we're talking about living out our faith. And there's two things I love about this book. The first thing is how practical it is. It just relates. It's not hard to understand, really. You just read it like, yep, that makes sense. Second thing I like about it is it's or this book is written by James, who's the brother of Jesus. This man is proclaiming that his brother is God, okay? That's quite or that's crazy. I could never imagine proclaiming that Derek is God, okay? Because he's my brother. I played wrestling guys with him in the closet growing up, okay? I can't imagine saying this dude is God, okay? So James and Jesus did the Jenga together, they grew up together, they farted together, whatever. They did these things. And then James, at some point, James realizes Jesus is God, and I'm going to give my life to it. And James actually gave his life for Jesus to proclaim Jesus throughout the earth. And the crazy thing is that James didn't believe that Jesus was God when he was living. See, Jesus was raising people to the dead, healing people, doing crazy things. But James did not think he was God. He's like, that's my brother. There's no way in heck that he is God. But then something happened, and we just celebrated this. Something happened that changed james's life he saw his brother rise from the dead he saw him get put on a cross all bloody hanging there and he saw him die and then he saw him three days later rise from the dead and defeat death if your brother defeats death and that's going to change the way you think about the world all right so james saw jesus rose from the dead this man is god he's not just my brother holy crap think about that (laughs) he's not just my brother this is god so James was changed and he gave his life for the gospel. He gave his every last breath to see Jesus known throughout the earth because he said my brother is God and I need to proclaim it to everybody. And that's why I love this book. You want an apologetic of or of how we know why Jesus or Jesus rose from the dead. His own brother believed he was God, okay? That's enough right there for me. Who in the right mind would believe that their brother was God? This is crazy. So let's read it. James is the man. Let's read this chapter 4 verse 13. And he's also very bold. So, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit that you do not know what tomorrow will bring. For what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for just a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, and mind you, he's calling his brother a Lord. So if the Lord wills, We will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. So the main point tonight is this. Life is short, and tomorrow is not guaranteed. So go hard for the one who matters. Life is short, tomorrow is not guaranteed. So go hard for the one who matters. James asks his the pointed question. He says, what is your life? He says, you're a mist. You appear for just a little time, and then you vanish. You're not that stinking special. James says, you're just a mist. You appear for just a little time. You're a fraction of the grand scheme of things, okay? He says, your life is just a mist. And this is the heart of this entire series. With such a short and temporary life, we have to embrace the mentality of, I can't stop, I won't stop. I'm not gonna stop, because my life is a, or my life is a mist. We need to make the most of our time. We were made for a purpose to know and enjoy God and to make him known. So we have to go hard after Jesus, refusing to quit. There are too many people who are dying and going to hell. There's so much room to grow in my personal life. I know that. There's so much sin I need to work through. Like I need to love my wife better. Like I need to lead you guys better. There's so many things I want to grow in. And my life is too short to sit around and not grow, okay? Because so I want to be the person that God destined me to be. There's a destiny that Jesus has for each one of you. Only you can fulfill it. God made each of you in a unique way with unique gifts and skills and talents. Some of the things you think, oh, like that's my shortcoming. No, God made you that way. God loves you. God wired you to make a unique impact on this world. Only you can fulfill it. But if you sit around sorry but as a lazy bum and you don't get out there pursue Jesus pursue people you're not going to fulfill it and when you breathe your last breath you're not going to be satisfied with the life you lived you may get into heaven but Jesus is going to say what did you do with the life I gave you and you be like uh video games i always got to get my weekly knock on video games all right so we need to devote ourselves to knowing Jesus and making him known we need to go hard for Jesus he's the only one and the only thing It actually matters in this world. So the first point tonight is this. We don't have enough time to focus on the things that don't actually matter. We all understand this deep down. We get that there's no point in focusing on things that don't actually matter in the end. I mean, what's the point of putting putting all our efforts into things that aren't going to matter in a thousand years? What's the point in that? Our life is way too short to waste on temporary things. So James hits on this pretty strongly in verse 13 and 14. Let's, let's just read it quickly again. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, that you do not know what tomorrow will bring. For what is, there, for what is your life? You are a mist that appears for just a little time and then vanishes. James compares the span of our life to a mist that appears for just a little time and then vanishes, boom, just vanishes like that. So, picture this. You're outside, it's cold out, and you breathe the breath, and you see your breath, and boom, it's gone. That's what our life is like. The grand scheme of the world, that breath, and the grand scheme of the world, the grand scheme of eternity. That's what your life is like. Just boom, done. That's it. That's what your life is like. You said, what is your life? You're just, you're just a mist that comes and quickly goes away. So, most of you are thinking about the future. I'm thinking about the future. So, you're thinking, what major should I have? What career should I pursue? Who should I marry? Should I ask that guy out on a date or that girl on a date? These are questions you're asking. James is speaking right to all of us who are considering our future on earth, and he's saying, why do you spend the majority of your time thinking about things that the Lord is going to take care of? And most of those things won't really matter in the end. James is asking us that. James isn't saying, don't think about your major, don't think about your homework. What he is saying is, don't let those things consume you. Newsflash, your purpose on this earth is not, or your purpose at this campus is not to get a music degree it's, or it's not to get a teaching degree. That's not your purpose. God put you here because you're unique and only you can fulfill what he wants you to do on this campus. I tell you, if you go out from here and all you get is a degree or you don't lead one person to Jesus and you don't attend one smart if you don't get passionate about Jesus at all, you're gonna be very dissatisfied in the end because when you are on your deathbed and Jesus asks you, what do you got for me? And you show him a degree, that doesn't really matter. I'm sorry, it doesn't. So I was all pumped about my grades. I got straight A's. I was like, come on, Jesus. I'm awesome. And then when I got this job, they didn't even ask to see my transcript. (laughs) It was for nothing. (laughs) It was really for nothing. I'm not saying to get bad grades, but I spent so many nights stressing out. And I'm just telling, you know, Pastor Drew is my boss. And I tell him, man, just look at my transcript once, please. Just look at it once. I I worked really hard on it. He's like, I don't care, bro. So... (laughs) And there's others of us who are procrastinators, and you don't like to think about anything that might be a little deep or a little important. I ain't thinking about my major. I ain't thinking about homework. I'm just gonna eat. I'm gonna sleep. I'm gonna play video games. I'm gonna hang out with my girl. I'm gonna go to bed, sleep until eleven, skip class, do the same thing. Come on, baby, that's what you're thinking. I'm a procrastinator. I'll read my Bible in a couple months. You know, summertime I'll have more time. I'll read the Bible then. You know, after fall retreat when I'm pumped up, I'll read the Bible then. You're a procrastinator. You don't want to actually put effort into things that matter because that would be too deep. That would be too hard to think about. That's some of us, okay? God is calling you out of spiritual procrastination or even just procrastination in general to actually take responsibility for your life. If you're an adult, every single person in this room is an adult. Too many college kids aren't taking responsibility for their life. and You're just living for the weekend. That's all you're living for. God wants you to start thinking about the things that matter. Think about the person you're going to marry Think about how you can get to know him more. Spend time in your word. Let's not procrastinate. We don't know if we're going to have tomorrow. James says tomorrow is not guaranteed. Your life is a mist. So I want you to think about this for a second. and Be honest with yourself. What is the thing that you think about the most? Just think about that for a second. What's the thing that consumes you the most? I'll be honest. For me, it's Chi Alpha. Just ask Emily. I talk about it way too much. So think about that. Now think about this. Will that thing matter in 1,000 years when you're in heaven or hell? I don't want to be so worried about the mist and missing out on the big picture. Will that thing matter in 1,000 years? When I was in high school, I was really active in two activities, football and choir, okay? It's kind of a weird combo, okay? Okay. There's like two of us in the choir on the football team. But anyway, so these things consume my life. Well, I get to start on the offensive line this year, which is stunk anyways, because offensive line stinks, let's be honest about it. But I make All-State this year, and that stunk too, because I got so nervous, I always screwed up. I sucked. I was really bad. I brought people down with me. So <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. There was one year, I'll share this, and I'm done about Allstate. Three kids. So they put me with all the good kids. They're like, all right. If, so if he has the good kids with him, he's going to get better. All three of them made all state the year before, and none of them made all state the year they tried out with me. So it's my fault. I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to know what I'm saying. I really don't know how to read music. I was just pretending. I, I, I really didn't know how to read music. All right. So <laughs> sorry, sorry, Peter. All right. So it's my choir teacher. All right. So my spiritual life I took a back seat during these years, though, because I was so consumed with these two things. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. All right. So. I, <laughs> I poured myself into these things, and also into my friends. That was another important thing for me. And Most of my time was, and then also schoolwork. As I said, you know, straight A's. I want to be the auditorian. Like, I got to get the straight A's, you know? Like, who cares? Honestly, it didn't really matter. I, I got scholarships when I came to UNI, but I only came to UNI for two years, and I lost all of the scholarships, and I still am in debt like crazy, so it doesn't really matter. So it's most of my time was either spent on just one of these things, and I didn't really think about God too much. And then when I graduated high school... In the summer after my senior year, most of you have heard this, but Jesus just rocked me in or just a way where I said, I'm all in for this now. I don't really care about all that other stuff. And then I got to college and, and I really just poured myself into Chi Alpha and you know, just building up other guys in the faith, growing in my own faith. And I remember just thinking like, Why in the world did I spend so much energy thinking about football? It don't matter. It really don't matter. Or why did I think about choir so much? It was fun. It didn't really matter in the end. It's great things, I would never take it back. I, or I still do both of those things, but I wouldn't have put all my effort into it. I would have put Jesus first if I could go back. I would have put sharing my faith with my friends first if I could go back. We do not have time to waste just worrying about temporary things. I'm not saying to not be involved in activities, I'm not saying don't work hard in school. You need to do those things. You need to present yourself as one approved, you need to be someone who's honorable, who takes responsibility for your, your schoolwork, and, and you turn stuff in on time, you don't cheat, things like that. Those are things you need to do, and that's a calling on your life as a Christian. But the problem is, is when those things consume you and they become your little gods, okay? We can't waste our time just consumed with these things. If you're on a sports team here at UNI, which I don't know if any of you are, but i use the example anyways, or if you're on a sports team, then know that being on the sports team, the purpose of that is not for you to be a star athlete. The purpose, God has placed you there because the people on your team need to hear about Jesus. And you're the one who God wants to speak through, okay? If you're an accounting major, so, so if you're an accounting major, God didn't call you to pursue that major to make a lot of money, although that's nice. God called you to pursue that major because there are people in the school of business that he wants you to reach. There are people in the marketplace when you leave there that God wants you to reach. Think about the bigger picture. We don't just do things to do them. There's always a reason behind the things we do. There's a reason why God places us in specific places. There's a reason that Josh and Jacob have a and Austin have a passion for working out because those people in the weight room, they can share their faith with them and they do it like every day. It's awesome. There's a reason Jesse is the king of you and I, okay? There's a reason because he has influence and he can lead people to Christ. He can lead the people on his floor to Christ. There's a reason you're here. There's a reason you have the gifts you have. There's a reason for it. And the reason is not for you to be great. It's to glorify Christ. It's to bring people to Christ. Do not be consumed with things that don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Do not accept spiritual passivity, Do not avoid your responsibility to love God and to love people. Do not spiritually procrastinate. Don't waste your time. So we should not focus on things that do not matter eternally. Instead, we should give ourselves fully to going hard after things that do have eternal significance. So the second point is this. With limited time, we have to focus on going hard after Jesus and people who are far from him. So because we have have such limited time, because our life is amidst, We have to focus on things that actually matter so verse 15 through 17 let's read it quick again james says this instead you ought to say if the lord wills then we will live and do this or that and as it is you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is a sin james makes the point that every christian needs to live their life in active submission to god and every decision we need And we need to consider, is this the Lord's will? We should not presume that we get to make the decisions in our life. If you're a child of the king, you need to submit to the king. We don't just get to do whatever we want. We need to live our lives submitted to God to be fully used for the purposes that he has for our lives. We need to live with an ear towards heaven, listening to the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in this situation? That's the way we need to live our lives. So in verse 17, James makes the bold claim that if you know the, the right thing to do, and you fail to do it, then it's sin. So James is talking about sins of omission. So there's two different types of sin. There's sins of commission, which are doing the wrong actions, like lying, stealing. Like, we know these things. But there's also the sins of omission, which is what James is referring to here. These kind of sins are the result of just not doing something that God calls you to do. So, for instance, the Word of God teaches us to care for the poor. If you turn your nose up at the poor and fail to care for them when you can, then you're sinning. It's not just doing wrong actions or it's not actually taking action. So I would make the claim that if you come to you and I and you're a Christian and you don't share your faith with anyone, you're sinning. That's what James is saying here. If you don't reach out to that person that God has called you to reach out to, then you are sinning. That's a scary thought because there's a lot of times I've sinned when I didn't even realize it. Because God wanted me to engage in conversation. God wanted me to pray for that person to get healing I'll tell you this, if you see someone in your classes who has a boot on, pray for healing, come on. Pray that Jesus would show up in that classroom. Live every day saying, or saying my life is amiss. I don't give two craps what this person thinks about me. I don't care what the, or the professor thinks. I'll pray for her too, boom. Let's go, Holy Spirit, come on. That's the way we need to live. I'd rather honor God Than honor people. I mean, no, okay, that's the wrong line. I want to honor people, but I'd rather fear God than fear people, okay? I'd rather fear God and honor Him than fear what people think about me. God is calling us to take action, to stop failing on the things we should do. We need to step out in faith and be the men and women that God has called us to be. I'm sure you've heard it that God has a plan for your life. This is very true. God has a plan and a destiny for each one of you. I said that earlier. But that plan is not just to make us happy, to live a safe American dream life, get the car and the, or the house and the two dogs, two kids, and then die. That's not the plan necessarily. God's plan, when he says, I have a plan for your life, that plan is to live your life in submission to him and to, or to glorify him. God has a plan for you to make an eternal impact on this world. We should focus on the things that have eternal sin- or significance and are close to God's heart. G- or James says here, if you fail to do the things that God has called you to do, then you are sinning. If we know the right thing to do and we don't do it, we are sinning. We need to take action and be the person that God has called us to be. So, what are our life purpose, or, or what is our life's purpose? Okay, and I think two verses capture this. So, Mark twelve verses thirty through thirty one says this. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. These are the great commandments. That you should love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. That's really foundational. Then we go to Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am... I'm with you always to the end of the age. So this is what God wants us to f- focus on in our lives, and it's really simple. First thing is to love God. You can probably guess these. The second thing is to love people. I thought, hard, or I thought long and hard about this. The third thing is to make disciples. So love God, have a relationship with him, pursue him, and let him transform you into, or into the man or woman that he's called you to be. And love people, don't just, or actually give a rip about people, don't just say, hey, that's just a dude. Actually care about that person, see the potential that God has for their life and actually love them, take care of their needs, help them, pray for them. And then thirdly, make disciples. To make disciples, you need to spend time with other believers. You need to spend time with people and actually, or actually open the Bible with other people and say, hey, check this out. To make disciples, you have to actually step out in faith once in a while and share your faith. To make disciples, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You can't just do life as an introvert. I'm an introvert. I love doing life by myself, read my book, go to sleep, get up, eat breakfast by myself, go to the office, and hang out in the office by myself. I love to do that, okay? Because I'm an introvert. And you might not believe that right now because I'm crazy tonight, but but I am an introvert, okay? God's not called you to just live that introverted life. Although being an introvert is not a sin, God's not called you just to stay in your comfort zone. He's called you to get out of it, to step out in to... Or, to step onto the faith zone, come on, that's right, let's go, boom. <laughs> to step onto the faith zone and, uh, and to do what he's called you to do, okay? And that's to love him, to love people, and to make disciples. If we can capture this as a community, God is going to work, God is going to work wonders in our midst. We get so focused on eternity that, or that nothing in this world can, or can stop us. That's going to change things around here. We have to embrace this mentality of I'm not stopping and I won't stop until I breathe my final breath. Nothing is going to stop me from pursuing Jesus and pursuing people with all that I have. Nothing is going to stop me from sharing my faith with people. And nothing's going to stop me from reading my Bible. If we want to make our our lives count, then we need to focus on these things and give our hearts to it. So how many of you in here are afraid of dying? Let's be honest. I'm afraid of dying. Like, I'm a pastor, but I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen when I close my eyes. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of a, uh, it's definitely an unknown thing. We have the Bible or tells us things about after death, and I believe I'm going to heaven. But I don't know what that looks like. Is Jesus going to be coming with the sword, like, Why? when I die? And we like, look at Jesus. He's awesome. I don't know what's going to happen. Or am I going to see every, I don't know. It's going to get funny, but I'm going to stop. Okay, so I don't know what's going to happen when I die. Okay, And that's something I've struggled with over the last two or three years. Because I look at my faith, that says, all right, Jesus has paid the price for my sins. He's purchased my eternity. He says heaven's awesome. But then on the other side of my heart, I struggle with fear. I struggle with fearing death. What will that look like? What's going to look like if, or if God lets me leave this earth early? Like, what's that look like for my family? What's that look like? I'm scared of it at times. Something that's really helped me to begin to shift away from this fear and to live a life of no fear of death. Something that happened to one of my professors at Bible College. Okay, so this professor, this dude is unstoppable. Okay, this man—if I've ever met a man full of faith, it's this dude. He's—that's all I can say—is just unstoppable man of God. That's how he is. Just full of faith, always proclaiming the gospel, talking to people in the streets getting up in chapel, just tearing the house down. This guy was awesome, okay? And his wife was awesome, too. And one of the things that helped me to, or to not fear death was the fall of 2014, I was in his class, and his wife was or got diagnosed with cancer. He's only 50 years old. He has three kids under 30, so his wife gets diagnosed with cancer. And he s- stood firm in his faith during this time. And his wife actually got, or a few months later, got healed, completely healed. It was, a, it was just a miracle. The doctors called her the miracle girl, okay? Like, it wasn't supposed to happen like that. She was supposed to die. Then they went on this tour, like, around the region, and were sharing their faith, saying, wow, like, God moved in Jane's life. Look at what God did. And then in the midst of this tour, there's one night where the cancer came back. And a few months ago, like, after, so about a year after she was diagnosed the first time, she died. And I was thinking... How is he going to go on? Like, how is he going to continue to be this man that I just look up to, full of faith, proclaim the gospel? How is he going to do that when, you know, some people would say God took his wife? Like, how is he going to do that? He's only 50. And I remember just being tore up about it. I was in the weight room here at the WRST when I found out, just thinking, God, what are you going to do? So I decided to tune into the funerals online or streaming online. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my whole life because the funeral wasn't like mourning. It was a celebration. Like They were just worshiping God. Like That's all it was, was a worship service. And I just wept and wept and wept and wept in my bedroom. So I thought about how scared I am of dying and, and how much of a coward I am at times and how they can just stand firm in that time. I, I was just moved. And, and I think that's really when this shift happened. I don't, I don't fear death like I used to. Yeah, like I'm still struggling, still getting there. But I want to get to a point where doesn't matter what happens to me in this life. Nothing will shake my faith. And the craziest thing about this, this dude was back on the road, sharing his faith, preaching the gospel at churches just a week or two after the funeral. Absolutely insane. He always does this, or this hashtag. He says, ministry never stops. That's living a life that actually understands the whole point of everything. The point is not to live a safe life then die. The point of life is to make Jesus known and then to get to be with him. That's a great joy. Funerals for Christians should be celebrations. So you finally get to the place you've been wanting to go. That's what we've been talking about. That's what I'm preaching about. Like, What's the point of once we get there, we're sad? We shouldn't fear death. And when we truly begin to understand that there's nothing to fear in this life, that's what unlocks us to live the life that God has called us to live, to be able to do the things that God is asking us to do. If we put our faith in Christ, there's nothing that should cause us to fear. Satan in this world cannot take anything away from us. Or if we have eternal life, there's nothing that can truly hurt us. When we truly understand this, we're gonna be unstoppable. Nothing will be able to tear us down. So for 2016, I picked this theme verse. It's Hebrews 13:14. For me, and I think it also applies to our ministry. So, so Hebrews 13:14. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. I felt like Jesus said, you need to keep this at the front of your mind this year. Because when you get that, that hey, you're not seeking a city here, or, or, or the city here is not lasting, you're seeking a city that is to come, that's gonna cause you to live a life full of faith. Jesus wants us to keep this on the forefront of our minds. Every day saying, I'm not seeking this city. I'm seeking this city that is to come. So nothing can stop me. Nothing can tear me down. When the apostle Paul considered death, he said this. This is my favorite verse in the Bible, Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, if I live, then I live my life all in for Christ. I'm thankful that God has given me this life because then I can make Christ known throughout the earth. I will live my life loving God with my whole heart and loving people as Christ loved me and devoted to making disciples of all nations. But if I die, that's to my gain because I'll get to be with Jesus, the one I'm preaching about, the one I love. I get to be with him. That's to my gain. With this mentality, we have nothing to fear. Nothing can stop us from living the life that God calls us to live. If God is for us, who can be, be against us, okay? If God is with us, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop me from loving God. Nothing can stop me from loving people. Nothing can stop me from stepping out in faith. We need to get this. We need to live our lives all in for Jesus and all out for his purposes. Stop wasting your life with temporary things. We need to make Our relationship with Jesus our top priority. We need to make loving our classmates our top priority. We need to make leading others closer to Jesus our top priority. We don't have time to waste with stuff that doesn't matter and won't matter in a thousand years. The worship and prayer team would come up. So I always forget about the prayer team, but they hang out over here sometimes by themselves because I forget to announce it. If you want prayer tonight, please come up to the prayer team. Just wanted to give them a shout out because sometimes I feel bad when I'm over there worshiping. Uh, But yeah, so the main point tonight is this. Life is short and tomorrow is not guaranteed so go hard for the one who matters. If you haven't written that down, write it down. Look at that line every day. Say, life is short, tomorrow is not guaranteed. I'm going hard for the one who matters. I don't think it's a mistake that you're here tonight. I believe with every part of my being, I always pray for these services. say, God, bring everyone who's supposed to be here and keep everyone out who's not supposed to come tonight. I don't care how big or small it is each night. I just want the people who God wants to be here. And I believe each of you are here on purpose. I believe God wants to talk to you. I know the Holy Spirit is here right now. God is available right now to talk to you. He's been talking to you, but, he's, but if you've been blocking him out, engage with him right now. So he wants to speak to you. The living God, Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, his presence is here and he can speak to you right now. Think about that. The man who we read about in the Bible, incredible teacher, just a lover of people, he healed people. He's here. His presence is here. Think about the Jesus who washed his disciples' feet and loved his disciples. He's here, and he loves you the same way. Isn't that incredible? Like the, you know, we think about communion and things like that. When Jesus sat and he, and he ate the bread and drank the cup with his disciples and was just hanging out with him. His presence is here right now, and you can engage with Him every single day. You can have a relationship with Him. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Jesus, God, You're here right now. God, thank You for being here. I pray that You would speak in these moments. I pray that it wouldn't just be me preaching, Lord. Speak. Holy Spirit, breathe in each person. There's someone in here that That you're asking a question. I don't know what the question is, but you're asking a question of God and you don't feel like he's hearing you. There's something you're asking. I don't know what it is, but God wants to tell you right now that he can hear you and he has your answer. You just need to engage with him, okay? What's that question you're asking? I don't know what it is, but he sees you. He sees you. He hears you. The creator living God hears us. He hears our prayers. So you've been doubting, does God hear my prayers? God hears your prayers. I know each of us come from different phases of life, different backgrounds. Maybe you're a Christian, I think which is a lot of us, but you're here tonight and you just needed a swift kick in the rear end, all right? God wanted to kick you right in the butt because life is too short to be lazy and to procrastinate. God wanted to remind you tonight that your life is short. I can take it from you in a second. Breathe. God, God enables us to do that. It's by God that it's by God that each of us get a breath. That's from God. God could take God could kill me right here, okay? Stop living like God doesn't exist. You put your faith in Christ, but it doesn't stop there, okay? You don't just put your faith in Christ, I like, get out of hell, things are good, I'm going to do my own thing now. So many of us. I just I don't know. I just feel like God's saying right now there's so many procrastinators in here right now. Like you prayed a prayer, like, like you did, like you confess in a confessional, whatever, I don't know, but you think you're good. But God's saying, I'm calling you to something much bigger than that, much bigger than dead religion. You're scared of stepping out, but God wants to call you to step out tonight, to share your faith, to believe God for impossible things, to live each day with purpose, to not, honestly, why do we binge watch Netflix all day long? Why in the world do we do that? That's so stupid. That's so dumb. Christians, why in the world are you sitting around watching TV all day? Why, what's the point in that? You're called. He called you by name. He knew that you'd be saved before the foundation of the world. Your name is written in the book of life. Christian, why in the world are you wasting your life? Why are you messing around in those sins? Why are you... Guys, why are you hiding those sins from, from other believers? Confess. Get healing. Why why are you living so far under your potential? God has called you with a purpose. Don't mess around. People are going to hell all around us right now. This campus, so many people headed to hell. Don't mess around, Christians. God's giving you such a gift Something to be treasured. Don't just keep it to yourself and be lazy. Don't waste your life. Love God, love people, and make disciples. You're only going to be here for a few years. This may be your last semester. Do everything you can to make the most of your time. There's others of us who maybe aren't Christian or we just aren't living connected to God at all. Tonight, God wants you to discover the purpose of your life, what you were made for. You're made for relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Each of us have rebelled against God. We've been separated from true relationship with Jesus. Well, the only way we can be restored, the only way that things can be made right again is through a death, because a penalty has to be paid for our sin, and that's the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the penalty on the cross his blood becomes our blood when we put our faith in Christ because he pays the penalty for us, okay? And then he didn't only die on the cross, but he rose from the dead three days later. And you've been searching for the meaning in your life, and that's it right there, to have relationship with God through the death of Jesus Christ and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the point, okay? Tonight, God wants you to go all in for your purpose, for what you are made for. You guys stand all across this room. as a group we need to come to terms with the reality that our time is limited on this earth our time on this campus is even more limited if our life is like a mist then our time on campus is just a fraction of that mist we need to make the most of our time here if we only come here get an education get a job I think guys I think we missed the point there's 12,000 students out there who need an opportunity to know Jesus and to know people who love Jesus, to grow in relationship with other people who love Jesus and grow in relationship with Jesus. There's people who need to be invited into this community. Like, like this can't stay this small. This needs to get bigger because there's so many people who need to know Jesus and need to know you because you have something that can bring them closer to God. What do we have to fear? Rejection, then we're just rejected like Jesus, our Savior. We're just like him. He was rejected in the worst of ways. What about death? Jesus died on a cross for all of us, and we're just like Jesus. And then we get to be with him for eternity. There's nothing to fear. We need to forsake fear and be stirred up to live a life of boldness and faith. We need to embrace the mentality of we can't stop and we won't stop until every student has an opportunity to encounter Jesus and grow with other people. Who know Jesus? Let's give our all to this. You bow your heads, close your eyes. So every week we just give two opportunities to respond to the message. So the first one is for those of us, so the first question is for those of us who are Christians and and just to respond in a way with God, say, hey, like, God, that really spoke to me. I need to get that right. The second one is for those of you who aren't Christians or maybe you kind of walked away from your faith and then you want to recommit or commit to be a follower of Christ. So the first question is this, You're a Christian, but you've taken your time for granted. You've been living in fear and not in faith. But you want this. You want to live a life of faith and purpose. You want to live a life focused on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. It's between you and God, making a declaration. God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to be used for your purposes. Pretty much everyone's hand is up. That's awesome. Put them down. Second question, I don't know if anyone's in here who's not a Christian, but if you are in here and you're not a Christian, God wants to meet you tonight. So if you're here and you want to put your faith in Christ or recommit to putting your faith in him, I just want you to raise your hand. It's just between you and God. Is there, is there anyone in here? Don't miss an opportunity. All right. Let's pray for the first question. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for calling us to live this life of I'm not stopping until I breathe my final breath. I ain't quitting. I'm giving my life to loving you, to loving people, to making disciples. The reality is, is God, God, we're human beings and we struggle. God, we struggle to live lives full of faith. We struggle with forsaking fear. But God, the beautiful thing is you love us right where we're at and you'll come alongside us for the journey. So Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be the person that you called us to be, to not waste a moment on this earth, God, help us to be the man and woman that you called us to be. God, we love you so much. We thank you. In your precious name, amen. And if there's anyone who wanted to put their faith in Christ, I just want to pray this. Just pray this in your heart as I pray it aloud. Jesus, I put my faith in you. Jesus, I trust you. I've been trying to live my life on my own, but I just keep, got to keep being dissatisfied. God, I'm not joyful. God, I'm not the person you made me to be. And tonight I realize that you want relationship with me and you made a way to have relationship with me through your son, Jesus. So God, I accept the sacrifice of Jesus and I put my faith in you and I say, God, I'm a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Thank you for saving me. In your name, amen.